0: And so what we're going to do is read Isaiah 11, and, and we're going to talk about peace, because I believe that this theme, just like every theme, kind of builds on the next one. So once we have hope, we begin to, I think, deepen our understanding of how peace arrives in our lives, because we recognize where our hope lies. And so I hope that as a result of this study and these passages we're going to read, you have like a deeper sense of peace, you have a deeper sense of where that comes from, and the difference between a worldly peace and kind of the peace that, that Jesus brings us. Um, and so, uh, let me read this passage in Isaiah. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. I don't think I, Oh, I did throw it in there. Cool, thank you. Um, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom of, uh, and of understanding, the spirit of counsel... Uh, and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So Isaiah is prophesying about this coming Messiah, and this is how he describes him. And he goes on and he says, He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. And it goes on and this is a beautiful metaphor that as I read it begin to picture the the kind of the the the, the picture that he paints here of what it looks like in the kingdom of God, okay? The wolf will live with the lamb. Just let that sink in for a second. The wolf will live with the lamb. That should be an an immediate like, that doesn't make sense, okay? Just throwing that in there. The leopard will lie down with a goat. You see that? The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Doesn't make sense either, does it? The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is what isaiah envisions when he talks about jesus coming in god's kingdom coming in and crashing into the world that we live in there's going to be this contrast that's going to take place where something that doesn't hang out with something else is actually going to start hanging out and what he's trying to paint a picture of is what you think of how things will work in this world will be different because of the way that god does things Right? And we're going to unpack that a little bit here um, because the way that we think we need peace or the way that we will achieve peace is a lot of times different in the world than the way that God brings peace. Okay? So that's why I'm reading that passage, not only because it's like it's fitting for this season, but it's also, it helps us get in this mindset that the way that we think isn't the way that God thinks. And sometimes the way that we think we get peace is completely different. Um, You can probably attest to this because there are things that maybe you've done where you thought you will have peace once you achieved it, and it didn't deliver. Think about that. Think about some of the things that you really longed for in life that you then gained, achieved, and it didn't deliver. Just to set context for where we're going right here. Right? Um, there's certain things, maybe it's possessions, maybe it's something that you thought you could have and then you're like, once I get this car, this house, this amount in my bank account, whatever, did it transform life completely? My bet is it probably didn't. And that's the contrasting thing that like, we think one thing in this world and we think it's going to deliver and we think it's going to be great and we think how somehow the, like, we'll experience peace and it doesn't deliver. And so what I want to do is begin to show you that there's going to be this contrast that takes place, and there's something beautiful about it. So um, peace is not something that's easy to maintain or achieve, and at at times it seems impossible. Like, we work really hard to try and achieve it, and it doesn't really arrive. So we're going to start out in Colossians 3.15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since, as members of one body, you were called to what? Okay, it is on the screen. Cool, just check it. <laughs> um, and then it goes on. It, I just uh, basically just left part of the sentence there, um, or part of the passage. And it says, and be thankful. So there's a heart of gratitude that's woven into this. But the very first thing, the very first word that's in there is what? Let. Let being the operative word, let the peace of Christ. So we have a choice to either let it or not let it. And there's an intentionality that I believe is behind that, that it's not something that's just going to be imparted and just slammed in you. As soon as you say the prayer of like, I love you, Jesus, I'm going to dedicate my life to you. And suddenly psh, we're all just blasted into this place of peace and joy and everything's all good. It doesn't work like that, right? what happens is there has to be this letting process, this allowing process of Christ to rule what? In our hearts. And that's going to be the theme of what I'm talking about right here to really kind of help us grasp this idea of peace. Because I think it's simple enough to remember, but it's also the the key ingredient that I've discovered as I really study scripture and as I've watched other disciples and other people really learn to follow Jesus that like when they find peace, the people that I've met that truly have peace, those are people that have let the peace of Christ reign in their hearts. They've said, other things have told me to do things a certain way, and I'm not going to listen to that, but I'm going to listen to Christ as being the one thing that's going to rule. And that There's so many words. We could, like, we could spend like an hour just studying that verse, but let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So there's like this allowing it to be The thing that drives you, that motivates you, that is the core of who you are, that has to take place. So, I want to use a a visual to help us kind of journey through this. So, um, I enjoy free diving. Many of you guys know this already. Everybody in this room does. Um, Looking around, I'm like, there's nobody else that doesn't. Um, And uh, this process of free diving, um, when I tell people about it, a lot of them freak out. And they're like... How do you sit there comfortably like that? I'm like, like, some of you might be saying that. You're like, how do you sit there casually at 30 feet just hanging out? And I, this is like a post photo. My buddy Nathan Minata shot it of me. And um, I just thought it was like fun just to like pretend like you're just sitting on a bench, just looking around. Um, but I did not think I could do that sort of thing a long time ago. And, and that response that some of you had was like, panic freak out, like tension, right? Like whatever, whatever word you want to fill in there. Like maybe you can think of some other words that you would fill in there. Um, that when you dive down underwater, it just, for, for many of us, it evokes this like feeling of like fear, of at least concern, right? Of like, I need to make sure that I come back up because I need the air that exists at the surface. <clears throat> and so to get to this point where you sit casually underwater, it takes a lot of work. Um, I, like I mentioned, I didn't always feel that way. And, and there was a lot of fear and there's a lot of apprehension that went into learning to go deeper and deeper. The, like I, I felt comfortable going down maybe 10 feet before I took any courses, before I hung out with people that, that dive a lot, before I started doing research, studying, all kinds of stuff. Um, 10 feet was like, okay, that's good. Let's go back up. We're done. Um, and and more and more, I started to get more and more comfortable. And what I discovered is there's a lot of things that God has put into our lives that keep us from that freak-out moment if we apply them. Physically, we are created to dive. Did you guys know that? So let me break it down for you. So, <clears throat> um, you might say like, nope, there's no way, I could never do that, that doesn't happen. Nobody, every single one of you could sit in." in that same position at like 30 feet. Guaranteed, okay? So here's why. Um, guaranteed. So there's this thing that you do when you dive. It's called facial immersion. And so what you do is you take your mask off and you just sit there with a snorkel in your mouth and you're just sitting at the surface. Your eyes are obviously closed because you don't want water going on. Um, and you're breathing through your snorkel in um, this thing called tidal breathing where you're just slowly breathing and you're allowing water to cover your face. And we are created by God with this thing called the mammalian dive reflex, okay? When water hits your face, it hits your nose, and it hits all these sensories, like, all around here. What happens is your body begins to go into this dive mode. It's literally a dive mode that your body starts to, like, click into. And there's five things that happen, and I'll, I'll share them with you in a second. But So what we do is you take that off, and for five minutes, you sit there and breathe with water on your face, and I didn't know about this for a long time. And what happens is like once you do that, it kicks in this like dive gear. Like you just shift in this dive gear and your body can go deeper and you can hold your breath longer than you ever could without that. So the, if you ever want to try this, you can do it. I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Um, but basically this mammalian dive reflex is um, the most noticeable thing is there's this cardiovascular um, this thing called shunting that happens where basically your blood starts to go from your extremities and all it's doing is like trying to maintain your core, like your brain, your lungs, and so, and your heart. Those are the three things it's trying to just like narrow down. It's like, we don't need the arms, we don't need the legs, we're just going to go into full survival mode, right? Um, that's why you start to get tingly and start to like, yeah, if you dive for a long time, that's what starts to happen. Um, so your heart rate automatically, when your face hits the water like that, Drops. Your heart rate will drop down way lower. Like some people, it drops immediately down to like a half of where it was before. As you start to hit depth, there's something that kicks in that as your lungs start to compress when you hit depth, when you start to go beyond like one atmosphere, which is like 33 feet, you start to hit down 60 feet, it starts to compress and there's something that starts to happen because your lungs are being compressed, your body says, we need to survive and so l- let's shut down everything else that doesn't need to happen. And, um, and it starts to go in this like conservation mode and allows you to dive even deeper. Um, there's uh, this thing called, brady- that's called bradycardia. Um, and then there's also this uh, release of red blood cells that comes from your spleen. This all happens without you thinking about it. But what you did have to think about is, I gotta take my mask off. I got to relax. I got to start breathing calm and let the water hit my face for five minutes. And then all of that starts to kick in. And you can go from like a minute diver to a two-minute diver. Like you can instantly just, you can ramp up your ability to dive deeper. That's how God made our bodies. How crazy is that? So why am I sharing this with you? Because I have peace when I'm out there. I love it. And I used to have fear. But what happened was, I began to take some courses and I began to hang out with some people that trained me and and shared this kind of information with me. And then I started to learn more about it. And then I went from freaking out at 10 feet to freaking out at 100 feet, right? (laughs) So now I freak out at 100 and I'm like, I can't get past 100. It's been my goal. Like I'm trying to get by the end of the year to get to 120 feet and I can't do it because my mind, I get to that point and I'm like, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. And it just doesn't work, and, and so like this fear that I need to get over, but that same fear that I have right now at 100 feet, I had at 20 feet, right? It was paralyzing. It was like, I can't get, there's no way, like I literally told my instructor, I was like, there's no way I can get past 20 feet, and he's like, come along, come along, Danielson. and so Mr. Miyagi showed me like how to keep going, and he, we sat down and literally like, there's books I started to read, you know? And, and stuff we started to learn, and, and YouTube videos that I was watching, and, and he started to show me that I can go down to 60 feet, and then I panicked at 60 feet, right, but what happened is, like, I started to, like, fall in love with the learning process of learning to go, I can learn things about my body and how things work so that I can do better and go further and pass up the fear, the thing that I said was impossible, right? The place where I said, I'm not comfortable, we need to turn around, let's get back to the surface, there was no peace. And now at 60 feet, I have complete peace. Like, there's not a fear, like, I don't have that concern that I had two years, three years ago, where it was like, panic, let's go, we got (laughs) to, and you know, you're just doing everything you can to get to the surface, and now I have peace there. So you can start to see where this is going. Like, the reason I have peace is because of a set group of things that I learned and a set group of things that I practiced, that I get, began to get in these rhythms over and over, that then now I have peace in those situations. So let's apply this to our lives, right? As we begin to think of your life, the area where you're panicked, where you're freaked out, where you're just going like, "How do I do this? I don't know how to continue on." Let the peace of Christ. What does He say? Rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And so what does that look like? That's going to require a little bit of work. It's going to require a little bit of intentionality. Um, Some of these things in your life may seem impossible. There may be things that are difficult. Um, For me, it was being patient. Like patience for me, it's still a a journey that I'm learning with my kids and I'm learning with my wife and everything. You can ask her. um, Maybe don't ask her. Um, But this process of learning that takes intentionality. It takes focus things that I thought was, were impossible to be a patient in, I'm now patient. For me, the freeway was a big one. People cut you off when you're driving, you know, like road rage was a real thing when I was younger. And now I'm like, whatever. I left 10 minutes early because you can cut me off and I'll be there in time anyways, you know? Like it's just changed my perspective, but that's not like me boasting about myself. That's just like things that I've started to learn as Jesus started to enter into my heart and transform things. There may be things that you're going, yeah, there's things I have victory over that I used to think are impossible, that are difficult. There may be things right now that you're like, I don't have victory over, and I want peace in. And that's what I want to like help us begin to see, is that we need to step into those areas, not shy away from them, but step into them, and let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and begin to wash over those areas. Because um, I don't want this to be like a like cliche phrases that we throw around, of like, do this and you'll have peace, like. It's going to take some, some intentionality here. So um, this idea of peace, this word peace in the Hebrew is shalom. I've talked about it a bunch of times, so I'm not going to talk about it again. I don't want to beat a dead horse there. But in the Greek, it's irene, and it means to bring various parts together to form a whole or set it as one again. Let me read that again. To bring various parts together to form a whole or to set it as one again. So when you think about the diving, like I was freaking out at 10 feet, brought some things together, and what happened? More comfort, more peace at depth. By just bringing some things together, wholeness, right? That's that shalom. That's that idea that when we start to bring things together, there begins to become peace within our lives because we're connecting things that not just with God, ourselves, but with others as well. But there has to be this connection that starts to happen and this wholeness. And when that wholeness comes together, we will experience peace. But again, that's, that's not just like a, a real quick like, oh yeah, I'm good with God. I'm good with myself. Like right now I should be happy. And I'm good with others. Like nobody hates me right now. So I should have peace, right? It takes intentionality. It takes work, Right? <laughs> It just doesn't happen overnight. Like, we have to sit and meditate. We need to have time where we sit and hear from God, where we sit and allow him to wash over us. Um, So, Irene, bringing things together. That's what scripture talks about as being a place of peace. So here's what I want to do. I got a couple minutes, and what I want to do is talk about a really intense situation so that you might go, well... I don't have peace and that sounds crazy just to say have peace and just work at it and it'll get better. Um, Here's an example of this guy Stephen and sorry for the sake of time I have to kind of race through this passage but I would encourage you to read it. Um, Stephen is a disciple um, of Jesus. Uh, He's following Jesus. He's committed to being part of this community of believers and at this point he gets killed for his faith, right? So I'm just going to read a couple of lines from it. Um, this is the story where Saul, who turns into Paul eventually once he gets saved, um, who wrote many of the, the New Testament letters, um, Saul is the one standing here with them, about to like, approve of them throwing rocks and killing this guy Stephen. So here's what Stephen sees. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, which is a key thing, key thing there. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means you have the fruit of the Spirit, which peace is one of those. Just throwing that out there. Looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Essentially, what you need to know is what he sees is that Jesus is on the throne, that Jesus is powerful, that he's he's the one in the driver's seat, he's in control. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him, throwing rocks at him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul, which turns into Paul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep and Saul approved of their killing of him. He had a sense of peace in the midst of chaos. Would you agree? You might hear this and say, well, that's insane. I don't know how to have that kind of peace in the middle of a really insane situation where I'm literally going to like fear for my life. But the key thing is Stephen knew who's on the throne. Stephen knew in his heart that God was real. He had a very real vision of who God is. And I think that when our vision of who God is is that he's powerful, that he's able to handle our situations, that he's created all things, that he understands my situation. There's nothing to fear, even death. And I know that sounds crazy. You might be like, well, I'm going I'm to die for that? Like, that's crazy. But again, going back to the very first little passage I read in Isaiah, that like our mindset of the way that we view life and the way we view things of like what is good for us, what's going to bring peace, is completely different than what God brings to us. God brings this peace that supersedes even being killed, right? What Stephen knew in his heart deeply, like not just knew like, oh, that's cool. Like I like peace and it's good and everybody should be peaceful. He knew that like no, no matter what the outcome in that situation is, he could have peace because he no longer feared death. Because he knew that like you can take this body, but that's fine. Like I don't, it, that's temporary. We all know that's temporary, right? And what what we see there is just like this deep understanding of God is in control. These people are spewing darkness, right? Because he says, forgive them of their sins. Like he understands like there is a dark power at, be, at, at, at work in these people's lives. And he said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to demonstrate peace, that God is in control and you can you can kill me, but it's not going to end this. And I think there's something so powerful about this passage that I would just encourage you to sit with that, read it a few times, and if you have questions, I'd love to chat about it. Um, But really the mark of like true discipleship is understanding that regardless of our circumstances, we will experience this kind of peace. And that requires an intentionality, as I mentioned before. Um, We can fall in love with uh, Brennan Manning has this quote he says do I worship God or my experiences with God and what do I mean by that is like do we get so caught up in the feelings of worshiping God and like knowing that he provides for us and he takes care of us all the good things right or do I worship God even when it's challenging when it's difficult when it's not going my way do I worship God or just the good feelings that God brings when I Sit and I'm quiet, and he takes care of my needs. Um, my challenge would be that we need to be a people who are disciplined, who sit and say, I'm going to be with God even when it's difficult in my life, even when there's challenges, that I'm going to sit and I'm going to center life around him um, and begin to seek him in all things. And that discipline will shape our lives. And That's why I use that analogy of diving earlier, that It takes disciplines. It takes being with people that have gone further than you have, that can dive deeper than you can, so to speak, in life when it comes to peace, um, and learn from them. Learn from Scripture. Learn from the discipline of prayer, solitude. Learn from the disciplines of being, uh, of eliminating, I should say, the things that distract us that we think are so important, that we think will bring us peace. Whether it's finances or whatever, house, that kind of stuff. Um, there's something that happens when we begin to sit and allow those things to be repaired and our perspective to be repaired, and that's shalom, that's peace, that's bringing that irene, the bringing things all back together the way they were intended to be, to that wholeness, to where then we go. Okay, those things don't matter. I have discernment and ability to see this. Those things don't matter. The things of God do matter, Um, and then we begin to center around that. I want to close with Matthew 11. Um, I've used this many times, but I believe that it's just so core to experiencing this. Um, And then I want to just give this question to you guys: So, um, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. So you see how he says, like, get away with me. Begin to get away from the rhythms of this world and begin to take on the rhythms that I invite you into, these patterns of prayer, discipleship. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how Jesus does it. How does he respond in the midst of chaos? How does he respond in the midst of people getting angry? Picture the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter breaks out the sword. Jesus is like, no, 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 we don't do that. Right? Watch how I do things. Watch how I begin to live life and how things work. And it goes on and says, uh, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. Like when I hear these words, I'm like, I want that. I want that so bad. The same way that I wanted to be able to dive deeper and be comfortable and have peace in the midst of somewhere where I was like, I want out of here. You can have peace in the midst of chaos, the same way Stephen did. And this may sound difficult, but it requires us to say, okay, I want to be part of that. I'm going to abide by that. I'm going to live that way throughout the week. I'm going to live into that in my daily habits. Um, and so that requires, again, this like intentionality. Peace is not easy to maintain in a world that is filled with chaos. If we think about the last two years, right? It's not easy. There's a lot going on. There's still a lot of questions. If you have a conversation with anybody, you're about to start a conversation with something that's going on crazy in our world, right? There's plenty of that going on. But what Jesus invites us into is this peace that supersedes all of this. And so the question I want to leave with you guys, um, there's two questions, and it's actually in your Advent guide as well, um, that I would just encourage you to wrestle with this week. And then um, I'm going to give you just a a narrowed-down version of that as we greet right now. So uh, what are the primary obstacles in your experiencing peace right now? Take some time to think about that this week. Um, If you want to stay here and just sit in your seat for a while, you're welcome to do that as well. Um, But what are the primary obstacles to you experiencing peace right now? Like (laughs) Some of you are like kids. Um, There may be all kinds of work. I don't know. There's all kinds of things. Like Acknowledge it. Recognize it. Okay. And then it says, "What daily rhythms in your life need to change to allow peace to come in?" Um, there may be things where you're just burning the candle at both ends. Like you may need to just extinguish one and just focus. Okay, um, but begin to think through how that, what that looks like, um, and it's different for all of us. So I could give you a list of things to do, but you'd just be adding to your your checklist probably. Um, I think we have. Uh, this beautiful relationship with the Holy Spirit that illuminates those things that you'll know when there's things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing anymore or there's things that you need to add into your schedule the process of elimination and addition right um, and so like just as we have a, a little time to reflect if you want to stay in your seat you're welcome to do that um, but if you like just to go back and grab some coffee and greet um, what's the, the one daily rhythm in your life um, you can change right now for peace to come in um What's one little piece of your daily rhythm that you're like, eh, maybe I should eliminate that. If you're vulnerable enough to share it, share it. If not, just greet somebody and say hi and how their week's going. Um, but um, let me pray as we uh, dig into this week, as we dig into peace and we begin to live into that. So, Father, uh, thank you for the peace that you, um, you bring that is unlike the world, um, that finds peace in so many, um, I think, temporary aspects, Lord. and So help us to find this deeper truth of peace that uh, really saturates all of our life and begins to center us around you and begins to bring new life um, in the way that we interact with you, with ourselves, that we have peace as we sit, as we walk, as we work, um, whatever it is. Um, Give us that sense of peace and also a peace that begins to um, change how we interact with others, that when chaos comes at us, we are able to handle uh, life situations with uh, the kind of peace that you invite us into, and so we love you, Jesus. And I thank you for each and every person in this room. I pray that you equip us with your Holy Spirit as we go out in your name, Amen. So feel free to stay in your seat if you want for a little bit, uh, or move forward. But if you want, let's greet, grab some coffee, and uh, enjoy the afternoon.